0: Good morning. Good morning, good morning. that wake-up call this morning, those that are sleeping still. I did notice that uh, Seth mentioned that some of us um, are stretching already for the game. Some of us are old, and we need to start stretching now for Friday. Um, Thank you, thank you for laughing. Uh, Good morning, everyone, good morning. we're going to talk about Noah today. Yay! Um, Noah, well, not really about the ark. Um, but um, let's, let's um, open with some prayer as we get to our chairs. I know I usually have a big intro. I don't have one today. It's blank. I couldn't come up with anything. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here. Um, thank you for um, uh, your word and your chance to study uh, your word um, and learn from Learn from you, in your name Jesus we pray, amen. So we're continuing in Genesis, Genesis uh, 6 through 9. Uh, just kind of a backdrop, where, we, where are we? Um, you know, the last time Bill spoke, he talked about Cain and how, um, about Cain and how Cain, uh, when Cain was born, Eve used, said these words, um, uh, with the help of the Lord I have brought forth a man, and the idea was is that Eve thought that, you know, he was going to be, be the one that, um, let me pull this closer. he was going to be the one that would crush the serpent's head, right? He would, uh, he would stomp, and so he was going to be that guy. But then Cain messed up, you know. Um, he, uh, he was angry with God for not accepting his offering, and he took it out on his brother, and he killed him. As a result, Cain was cursed. He could no longer uh, work the ground because he was a farmer. He, he, says his, he told God his punishment was too much, Um, And as he was driven from the land, he was hidden from God's presence, and he would be vulnerable to someone killing him. And God said, um, if Cain is avenged, um, uh, if Cain is avenged seven times, then, oh, wait, sorry, not there. I'm going to go somewhere too. So, um, if Cain is avenged, um, he, uh, I'm sorry. God says that if anyone kills him, he will suffer seven times times over. So Cain continues on, marries and has children, but his line doesn't go so well. He uh, he Later we see a guy named Lamech who brags to his wives how he killed a man who injured him. And then he says this, this is his statement, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech is 77 times. I think he was quite full of himself. And we can see that Cain's line doesn't go so well. Um, And then... And then this brings us to, then Adam and Eve, it's, so the Bible tells us Adam and Eve have, have another son. His name is Seth. Um, <clears throat> and it's that Seth's line that really carries on through the, rest, you know, through the rest of this period. And when Seth was born, am I still on? When Seth was born, um, he, oh <clears throat> um, he says these words, God has granted me another child in place of Abel. Since Cain killed him, uh, we then see, you know, restatement of, of you know, man uh, being created in the image of God. Um, the focus is then on Seth's line. We see a formula that moves forward through, you know, various uh, uh, through the, you know, through the chapter where it always will mention someone, you know, firstborn, and then then the the person has many other sons and daughters. Uh, and then it goes to the next firstborn. And so you see this formula as it goes through Seth's line. Um, and so... Um, and then we also see, like, how old people were getting. And, and really in the various manuscripts, um, those, those, time, those years are kind of different. You know, they're not, they're not exactly the same, which really tells me that, the, that how old people were not as necessarily as important as what God was doing. Uh, now, sometimes from our perspective, that can be tough, particularly from the Western mindset, where uh, I always, something I always reflect on when I learned biblical Greek and Hebrew, um, how, uh, you know, with, with Greek, there was a word, there was a definition. It was always that definition. With Hebrew, it could be many definitions depending on the context. And it kind of was reflective of the culture behind. Uh, within that kind of Greek culture, which is kind of where we kind of uh, come from, A plus B always equals C. It's always that way. And more of an Eastern mindset, where kind of Hebrews comes from and where a lot of the Israelites come from, A plus B can sometimes be C, sometimes it can be D. And, you know, in one sense, you're like, how can that be? That can't be. We have to have, you know, one thing. And I, I to me, it just shows that, you know, how God is and how God created things. is, is than I probably keep, you know, I have a, have a smaller framework of how I think things should be. And God's saying, well, it's not really... Um, So, as we move forward with Seth's line, it fares much better than Cain's. Um, Genesis 4, it says, it's 426, it says, At that time, Seth's births, at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. We see in Seth's lineage those who are devoted to God. Um, You don't have the, the negative side of Cain's line. And it is from Seth's line that we get Enoch, where it says there, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away, and so he, he is one of two people that we know didn't seem to die. That God they they were walked so well, they walked so righteously that God took them away. Um, this brings us to Noah. Noah when Noah was born. His father Lemek said this about him about his name. In fact, he's the only one that his name is given a definition. He he named a Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Of course, the question comes up, You know, what is that comfort that they're describing? And at this point, we move into 6 through 9, which is the subject of uh, what I'm talking about today, which is, um, and and from this, we see in chapter 6, we see a description. God describes kind of evil that is going on in the world, or we see a description, wickedness. Uh, we see a description of it says the sons of God um, marrying the daughters of, uh, of humans. Now, it's not particularly clear what that means. It just seems to be this is, this is evil that is going on in the world. And then we see this, this section here. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. I underline that because that comes up again, and I think that's an important... Uh, statement: The Lord was grieved that he had made man in the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men, anim- men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I will surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Now, then we get this whole long description of the ark, which I'm not going to go through because you can read that yourself and find out how the ark was built and, you know, all the animals that came into it. Um, now, um, now from this section, we're not sure why, you know, what made Noah righteous? Because you don't, you know, later on we get all these descriptions of how to act and how to live. So, what was it about Noah that made him righteous? Um, uh, and uh, the best I could come up with is that it was the fact that he had faith in God. Romans, um, so there's the ark. Actually, I couldn't come up with a picture of an ark. That's, that's the best I could do. Um, actually, these days, I'm a little nervous now. There's a lot of ministers getting in trouble for plagiarism, so I'm, getting, I'm a little nervous about just going on the Internet and pulling out a picture, and then somebody goes, hey, you can't use that picture. So that was stock stuff from PowerPoint. It's the best I could do, some boat in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, and it didn't look like that, so... Um, But we see Romans 3.28 says this, For we maintain that a man is justed by faith apart from observing the law. And then we also have Hebrews 11 where you have this great hall of faith where it says these words, Now faith is being aware of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he's commended, he's, he, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So what we have here is that Noah was righteous because he had faith. Now, as we see, Noah had faith, but like everyone else, he was not perfect. Um, <clears throat> then we get into the promise. This is when they left the ark. Noah and were told to leave the ark, and then he built this sacrifice for a burnt offering. The Bible says that the Lord sm- smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood, again, that statement again about, about uh, mankind. And never again will I destroy all the living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. And then God blesses Noah, tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Um, Noah is warned not to eat food that has lifeblood in it. And then it seems that murder is instituted at this point. Um, although it always begs the question, so then what was, what was Cain's sin? Was it the, the killing of his brother or was it that he was angry at God? And those are questions I still have. Um, <clears throat> and so it says here, and, and from each man too I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. So which is kind of the basis for why murder is wrong, because we are made in the image of God. And then we have the rainbow, right? The promise that I will never do this again. This kind of leads us really into kind of the last section, which is kind of the major part of my focus here, is really what I call, I I call it the curse of Canaan. Uh, It's kind of an interesting story at the end of Noah's life, or at least what we know of towards the end of his life, um, about Noah. The Bible describes... Noah is a man of the soil. So like Cain, like Adam, he was a guy that was a farmer. He built a vineyard, and one day he had too much to drink, it says. Well, that's my my interpretation. And he forgot to wear clothes. He was buck naked. Now that's pretty drunk. Um, The Bible tells us that Ham saw his father naked and then went and told his brothers. His two older brothers then took a garment, laid it across their shoulders, backed into the tent threw the garment over their father, and always facing away so they wouldn't see him naked. Then the Bible tells us that Noah awoke, uh, and he learned what Ham had done, and he said the following, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will be be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Jepheth. Makes Japheth live in the tents of Shem and make Canaan be his slave. Now we see here, Noah doesn't curse Ham. He curses his youngest son, Canaan. We're not quite sure why that is. But a big question arises what was Ham's sin? I mean, after all, wouldn't this be a little bit like accidentally walking into someone, you know, when they're changing? Um, I think that, um, you know, we can kind of also struggle with this a little bit here, too, because on the other hand, too, is that, is that one of the commentaries that that I use is points out that God is very silent about this, and that the implication is that God is not happy with Noah over this. You know, and some people think, well, yeah, but what what did Noah do? I mean, he was in his own tent. You know, why was, why was Ham walking in his, his tent? Um, and I think at the time, though, I don't, I don't. The, you know, that's our perspective. Maybe you, everyone has an individual tent, which is true. You go camping you go camping with Boy Scouts. Everyone has their individual tent. You know, these tents were kind of probably large, and there was other family that may have been his tent, but he may have other, other people in it. Also, is that, um, is that if it really was an issue of, you know, this was his personal tent, and no one should have been going in there, why would his sons go through so much trouble to cover him up, right? So there had to be something issue there that this was not a good thing. Kind of to further illustrate, I'm going to share my own story. Uh, I must say that this, because um, I think my story kind of brings light on to giving us some perspective on what the big issue is here. Um, now, this is a story that I'm not proud of, and it also involves a bottle of tequila. Uh, now, I want to say at the outset that <clears throat> I don't want to glorify drinking. Um, I know that there are people in this church or people we know or family that struggle with alcohol. Um, <clears throat> now I don't have a problem with people drinking per se. I think the Bible is very clear. It's about it's not about drinking alcohol. It's about drinking in excess. Um, now I'm not a big drinker for three reasons. One is is um, <clears throat> I'm often driving, and I don't want to I don't want to drive and uh, uh, you know drink and drive. Also, despite the how I feel that drinking's okay, there's a lot of negative impacts of alcohol and how people will perceive you when you drink. So I tend to, to tend to not. Drink so much. Um, I'm also aware of how alcohol is viewed in the world, and if you want to reach certain cultures or people of other religions, actually, you shouldn't drink at all, because you're going to lose your chance to witness to them once they see you drink alcohol. Um, <clears throat> now, please be aware: this is just my position. I'm not trying to tell people they have to follow my position. This is just how I feel about it. Um, you know. Now, I think that, um, as I said, I think drinking is okay from a biblical perspective, not not excess. Um, and also I realized that no matter how well I'm devoted to God I and anyone else can mess up at times um, now let me take you back to the 80s turned up collars members jacket two things I actually never had um, this was a time when I wasn't walking with the Lord um, and I was living for myself and one night a friend of mine and I decided to get drunk on a bottle of tequila and I will tell you I've never drank tequila since then, and I think it would make me sick if I even smelled it. But that was how it went, uh, and we succeeded in getting drunk. In, and I had various images of that night, and there's also things I can't remember because it was kind of a, it's a it's a blur to me. But at one point, believe it or not, I handed some people my ATM card, told them my pin, told them to go draw some money out so they could buy more tequila. Now I was lucky; they brought it back to me, and they didn't take more money, right? That, of course, was a big danger. Kids, that's why you don't drink, right? Um, right? I remember throwing up outside and thinking, maybe I could just hang here on the fence all night because I was a little afraid to laying down knowing that I was sick. Um, I remember being in the bathroom and getting sick and yelling for my roommate to bring me the bucket. One time I tried to stand up and put my hand on the towel bar. What happens when you use that? It's strong enough for a towel, not a human being. It just snaps right through, doesn't it? Well, actually, I remember, I kind of vaguely remember it, but when I got up, I saw the towel bar, you know, snapped in two on the ground. Um, I remember being very loud. And I also, um, I remember, ended up laying partially on my friend. Um, Actually, I ran from the bathroom and jumped on my bed, and I hit something, I thought, and I yelled, who's in my bed? Realized that my friend had passed out before me, and people put him in my bed, so I laid partly on him. And that wasn't the worst of it, though. I was in my underwear, and I had soiled myself. Sorry for the graphic image, but I wanted you to portray where, where I had, the, you know, the level of debauchery I had gotten to. I tell you this story not to glorify my foolishness, because I feel foolish and embarrassed, and I am um, fortunate that no one was hurt, and it did not turn out worse than it did. Think about it. The worst thing is that I am embarrassed, but it could have been much worse. Um, I even uh, gave people my camera and said take pictures. Now, I have never seen those pictures, and my roommates told me that they would hang on to those. I don't know. If I ever run for office, maybe they show up, and I have to explain myself. I don't know. Um, As I look back on it, there's a part of me that smiles a little, and I was talking with Deborah about it. He says, you know, I I don't want to glorify it, but there's parts of it that makes makes me smile a little bit and laugh. And I think the reason is that it happened once and never happened again. Uh, it was 30-plus years ago. Um, it, would, um, it would be different if it had been one of many times, actually. Usually one time people give you a pass, but many times, you know, you've got a problem. Actually, you shouldn't even do it once. Um, uh, you know, and then no one got hurt. The shame was mine. But shame, where have we seen that before, This? Um, Genesis 3, the, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for them. They had shame, right? Shame pops up again. Once, uh, once again, w- w- one extra thing I think about this story is that a friend of mine, uh, who he, the friend that we were drinking, he passed out before I did. Again, I was, not, I was, I was thinking drunk, right? I ran and go, I grab my razor, I come running back, shave his head, shave his head, right? And I'm ready to shave his head, and my roommate intercedes and grabs it, and he's like, we'll just shave the back of his leg. And then later, this still makes me funny, I, I realize I shouldn't laugh at it, but it does make me laugh a little. But he like looks at me later on that week, he looks at me and goes, my hair. And and the part of the thing was is that He had worked for the state legislature before and they had kind of recruited him to go back and he was supposed to start a job working at a state legislature. He goes, I would have gone back without any hair. And how would that have turned out where, you know, in a suit with no hair? And they might have thought, well, you're not taking this seriously. Maybe he would have lost his job. Still makes me laugh though. Um, Now think about the story in relation to Noah, right? Um, If you were at that party, what would you have thought of me seeing me act this way? Well, interesting enough, I know how somebody thought. They told me later on. Some months later, as the Lord was drawing me back to him, I attended a Bible study with other students, and I sat down next to someone who was at that party. In fact, I think she was one of the few people I handed the ATM card to. And she looked at me and said, what are you doing here? No, actually, she didn't say that, but she had every right to, every right to think that. What was I doing at a Bible study after... She actually was very sweet and very gracious. She said, "She looked at me and said, I'm surprised to see you here considering how you were the last time I saw you. You know, it's, this is just a testament of what God can do in our lives. In fact, a further testament is that I actually ended up moving into that house and was part of that Bible study for a good year. In relation to him, I think that the issue of shame and respect for his father bears out. Think about it. Think about if you had a father that drinks a little too much and the conversation goes like this. Dad has hit the sauce too much. Let's get him to bed before he embarrasses himself. However, Ham did not do that. Perhaps he made fun of his father in front of other people. We don't have that. I mean, I'm speculating it. It doesn't tell us. In Noah, we, you know, and so that may have been his, that he, you know, Noah wasn't right in the way he acted, but Ham probably wasn't in right and how he responded to his father. He should have been more respectful. In Noah, we see a pattern that repeats itself throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible, we have people who do great things and then kind of screw it up towards the, you know later on in life. Here we have Noah who represents the hope of mankind. Everything goes back to Noah. Without Noah, we're all not here. Um, He finds favor in God's eyes. He's considered righteous. He does all that God wants him to do. Think about what he had to do over many years of building that ark. He wasn't a shipbuilder. He was a a farmer. He had to build this huge ark, and he was probably ridiculed, probably made fun of, like, what are you doing? You know, what cruise are you going on? And shouldn't you be doing this closer to the water? I mean, think of all the things that were said to him, right? Right? And then only to kind of screw it up at the end. It's a testament to who we are. We, no matter how often, how devoted we are, we are still in danger of, of, of falling to sin at times. One thought comes up, sums it up, that the more things change, the more they remain the same. And we see that as we go forward, the curse of Canaan plays out when the Israelites later on, as they move into the land of Canaan. There's also kind of an interesting side note of this. Um, really, this whole curse of Cain was often it was used at times to justify slavery, which is is a really stupid argument. Uh, has something to do with the color of ham skin. I'm not I'm not sure of all of it, but I always was thinking about it how. How kind of dumb even that argument was, even if it was true, is that because if people just because somebody's cursed or things go go wrong, we should be more compassionate, right? We shouldn't be kicking them while they're down. And I actually kind of thought of a, an interesting kind of corollary to this is we know that women, you know, child women are you know childbirth you know, uh, suffered the the curse right of the fall, so they would have pain in childbirth. I'm thinking of like if you take this kind of thinking. You see the husband looking at his wife going, Honey, I know that you're going through a lot of pain, but you know this is the curse of childbirth, so you don't get any painkillers whatsoever, right? And I can see the headline now, right? Man, man strangled to death by his wife in the delivery room, right? Um, but there's a question that kind of comes in my head when I think back about this flood. is why the flood, right? Why destroy the earth? You know, why not make it more localized like Sodom and Gomorrah? Why not, you know, why not make it more, um, uh, why not, why the flood it, uh, if it did not fix mankind? Because it didn't necessarily, now perhaps maybe things were a lot worse before than they were after, which is hard to believe, but maybe. Um, and then why even go through this elaborate plan of having him build this ark, right? And, uh, and then why not just destroy everything and just save Noah and his family? But God has chosen to do these. These are questions, actually, I don't even know why I'm bringing them up. These are questions I have for the Lord. Like, why did you do all this? Maybe the Lord will let me know at one point, or maybe I'll have to wait till I get to heaven. However, let's see what did the flood accomplish, all right? One is, is that the flood ends the line of Cain. As I mentioned you know above and two weeks ago by Bill, that Eve, uh, Eve likely thought Cain was the one. He was going to bring the end. he was going to crush the serpent's head, but it wasn't so. In addition, we see that his lineage is not a good one. Well, that is ended. All right um, Seth, in his lineage, lineage becomes the serpent crusher. It's through his lineage that the serpent will be eventually crushed, right <clears throat> From Genesis. Uh, you know, which eventually results in Jesus. We see kind of a baptism of the earth, so to speak. Looking at this passage, it says, Peter says, For Christ died for, ours, for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison and disobeyed long ago, who had disobeyed long ago, uh, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, it, uh, <clears throat> in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And the water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers and submission <clears throat> to him. So through the flood, we see kind of a baptism of sorts a cleansing of the world. Um, <clears throat> we also see the idea of future baptism. Baptism, you know, what is baptism? Baptism occurred before Christ. Um, you may have heard of him, this guy named John the Baptist. It was in his name. He did baptism. Baptism actually existed before then. Um, baptism, as Peter says, represents a commitment to God. For the believer in Jesus, it symbolizes dying with Christ, going under the water, rising up with him at the resurrection, which is coming back up out of the water. Baptism alone does not save us, but it represents the commitment we have made to Christ. With the flood, God cleanses the earth, uh, cleansed the world of evil, but it did not mean it went away. Perhaps it was worse beforehand. Um, some still, uh, you know, look at that first part of chapter 6 and say, well, it was worse. Um, nonetheless, the key is that sin exists. God's words in Genesis 6, 5 and eight twenty one still ring true. Um, every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. Um, in addition, it appears that the curse uh, of the ground still exists. When we are baptized, it re- represents, um, represents uh, our commitment to Christ, through which we are saved, but we are still subject to sin. With Noah, I would not say that they went through the baptism. I think they were saved above the water Um, while the earth was being cleansed. The third thing is that the flood did. It brought Noah in as kind of what we call the new Adam. Um, There's lots of similarities between Noah and Adam. One, they had the same profession. They're both workers of the ground. Uh, The language of the curse and blessing are heard in both stories. Both experienced the shame of nakedness. Like Adam, Noah's transgression results in familiar strife. So with Adam, we have Cain killing Abel. And with Noah, we have Ham. And then what goes on after that between you know the, their, their family lines. And it's, you have kind of sin in the garden, sin in the vineyard, right? Noah is the second Adam, actually. Um, let me look here. I meant to put this chapter in here, and then I'll get back to that. Um, so we have it there, and it says, Noah is the second Adam, both as a recipient of divine blessing as is, um, and as father of a corrupt seed. Um, and then we see Noah as the messianic figure. Uh, his name is about blessing. Some say he was filled when he made the vineyard, but it really, I think it looks forward to Christ. In conclusion, I want to leave you with kind of seven quick points um, as we, as we go forward, what does this all mean for us and what does it mean for us moving forward? One is the depravity of mankind is evident from the fact that God mentions twice every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. That is who we are. And I always find that kind of a shocking statement. I, every time I read it, it always like, whoa, like everything since childhood you know, is evil? Um, you know, but that is who we are. Um, God shows us the penalty for sin, you know, the ultimate death and destruction. Faith is what makes us righteous, not what we do. Because if it was what we do, Noah, Noah messed up. We all mess up, but it's what it, we. And we'll see. You see this throughout as we go through Genesis. It's about faith. It's why the book of Hebrews talks about it. And you look at him. Jacob was a screw up, uh, you know. Uh, you know, Abram and, and um, um, Isaac <laughs> had their moments. Actually, the only one that really didn't screw up was Joseph. I was thinking about that. But David messed up. But it was always about faith. Where is their faith, even though that they made mistakes? God introduces the idea of baptism, although it may not come into true form until later. God deser- preserves the line of Ad- from Adam to Jesus. And then we have this continuation of our story. I mentioned in the first time I spoke that Genesis is about the beginning of our story. It's the beginning of God's story, and we have this continuation of this story. We, God has continued to move us toward bringing mankind back to the garden. It's almost as if God. It's, and when I looked at this too, and looked at this passage, I felt like you had, you know, the you had the garden, then you had the fall, then you had the curse, and then you have Cain, and then things just didn't go too well, and then kind of life went on for a while. In fact, it could have gone on for a long time. Some speculate that it could have been a lot longer than those numbers indicate, and then it's almost like he says, here we go, we're going to start now. We're going to go on this story and move it on, and it's heading towards Jesus. And the last thing, we always are looking forward to our eventual salvation to be with God forever Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for what you have taught us here. Help us to take the things we learned today and apply it to our life as we go forward this week and and on after that, Lord. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.